the regular season finally, thankfully, finished. The Ravens, a playoff team, somehow. We'll get into it this week on Pod Like a Raven. I am Antonio Clavera, and yeah, we made it. We made it through the regular season. We've said it once, we've said it a dozen times. One of the least fun regular seasons for a very good Ravens team that can't figure things out. 10-7 on the year after a run-of-the-mill loss with third stringers in Cincinnati in the last week of the season. It's a two-man booth again this week, but it's Jace who's joining me from the West Coast. Jace Evans, whatever. It, we've made it. It's January, I guess. Let's see what happens in the postseason. Uh, yeah, uh, it, weird regular season, Antonio, and mostly unenjoyable regular season. And yet, as you said, we look back and here the Ravens are again. Ten wins in the playoffs for, I don't know, the eighth, ninth, tenth time under John Harbaugh, I believe now. It's... I'm not looking forward to it, really. Uh, um, as for this week, uh, I will say the actual game the Ravens played on Sunday uh, is the most unbothered I've been by a Ravens game in a while. The actual contest. Now, I will say everything leading up to and after the game annoyed me insanely. And um, we should start, I guess, just on that front by saying, obviously, we previewed uh, the Ravens-Bengals game last week, and we laid out uh, all these scenarios of what was potentially at stake for the Ravens in this game, uh, pending the result of the Bills-Bengals game last Monday night. That officially never happened because um, DeMar Hamlin collapses on the field. Truly one of the most terrifying things I've ever seen on a football field. Just really scary. And thankfully, as we record today, he's um, doing well. Uh, breathing tube removed Friday. He's up, walking around. Um, he has actually been discharged from the Cincinnati Medical Center and is uh, on his way back to Buffalo, uh, where he'll um, enter one of the hospitals there and continue treatment. So great news on that front, um, certainly. And that, But that obviously completely changed uh, what was at stake in this game, which we'll get into, which was a potential 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 coin flip for home field of what will now be we can say a ravens bengals playoff game that they are playing this weekend uh and as hamlin thankfully recovered and that story took over i think the discourse certainly from the Bengals side of things it drove me up a wall and uh i was just very annoyed entering the game the game went exactly how i expect but yeah, I guess that's kind of, we just needed to sort of lay that out and start there because it, it, it is, really set the stage for what this game was. It is remarkable that all of this has happened in a week, that we were here exactly a week ago talking about all those different Bengals-Bills scenarios and what it opened up, and it just completely changed the entire tone of the entire NFL season. It was I mean, a horrible thing to see. The time, the fact that it was so late in the season had such an impact on all these other games and all the scheduling and were they going to move the playoffs? Were the, was the Super Bowl going to be one week after the AFC Championship games? Were games going to get canceled? All of this stuff, all of this discussion was like as, you know, done in a couple of days. It then pivoted to all the rule changes or modifications or how to handle it. 
And then if you're a Ravens fan, by the time we got to Friday, it was pretty obvious that Jackson was not going to start. Then by the time we got to Saturday, it was looking more and more like Huntley wasn't going to start. They they made some roster moves, uh, added added a quarterback, added um, Brett Hundley. Uh, Hundley, not Huntley, but Hundley, yeah, to the depth chart, and that was a, a gigantic red flag. And it became kind of clear by, especially by uh, Sunday, when we saw who the inactives were, that this was no longer a game that the Ravens were going to try in. That they had absolutely punted on the opportunity to. Beat the Bengals, get a coin flip, and maybe try to win a playoff game. We'll get into that into that more, but the the final of this game ends up being Bengals twenty seven, Ravens sixteen. Congratulations to the Cincinnati Bengals on overcoming all adversity to beat. Let me check my notes here. Anthony Brown, third string quarterback for the Ravens, undrafted, making his first NFL start. Uh, so just for the listener. I got some things to say this episode. <laughs> some of it is good, some of it is bad, some of it is annoying. Some of it's Ravens historical stuff that I think should be pretty fun. But if if you get annoyed by me, I apologize in advance. Just, you know, turn it off, turn it down, listen to Jace when he has some, some good points to make. But I'm going to start off this episode by saying this. Uh, we are homers on this show. We accept it, especially me, maybe more than more than Jace or Tim. But we also criticize the Ravens as much as anyone. To start this game analysis, to start this week, I'd love to spend a few minutes criticizing the Bengals. And I want to criticize the team, I want to criticize the players, the fan base, all of them, for being the softest, whiniest, least serious franchise ever. Come at me, area of Cincinnati. It took them two days from the DeMar Hamlin incident on Monday night to pivot away from that being an unprecedented, scary situation to the narrative being about how their scheduling situation was now unfair. They complained about the coin toss rule to no end, even though technically it was their head coach, their players, and their team who decided to stop playing the game against the Bills. Now I'm going to say this in gigantic words so people don't think I'm Skip Bayless. I am not saying they were wrong to do that. They were 1,000% right to do that. It was a fantastic choice. It was the right choice. It was the only choice. And it was good that they did it when the league didn't want them to. Or didn't at least volunteer it. But then you have to accept that that is what happened. You have to accept that you chose not to play the game. And there's going to be repercussions from that. Had the Ravens won in Cincinnati this past Sunday, they would have swept them in both games... They would have been half a game back because the Bengals didn't play an extra football game against the best team in the NFL, <laughs> the best team in the AFC. At least you know you'd argue that with the Chiefs and with how close they finished out. So I'm I'm like I have secondhand embarrassment from how the fan base, how the team handled it, how the players responded during the game, playing against a third-string quarterback and treating it like they were defying all odds to win and avoid the biggest hardship that they'd ever faced in their entire lives. After all that, after winning the game, avoiding the coin toss, it took them 20 minutes from post-game to pivot their victimhood to the Ravens players being mean and dirty without offering a single example, at least from the player side, of where that happened, when that happened, who on the Ravens did it. 
And the only example that's come out on Twitter from fans is Roquan Smith bumping Jamar Chase in the end zone, causing neither player to so much fall to their knee, much less falling over, much less getting hurt. This is the same game where a Bengals offensive lineman drove Tyus Bowser 10 yards into the sideline five seconds after a play was over on the complete opposite side of the field because he quote-unquote didn't hear the whistle, according to Trent Green, even though you have to hear a whistle on every other down in the NFL. So it, it is truly incredible stuff from Cincinnati in all shapes and forms, and I am dying. I am dying to get Lamar Jackson back for a rematch against this team. If I knew he were playing in this game, if I knew that they had benched him for whatever, for an injury or just to rest him for the playoff game, I would make a serious push to try to buy tickets to go to that game because the potential value of being there to watch the Bengals get bounced in the first round in Cincinnati after all of this crap that has happened the past week would be too much to pass up. Will Lamar Jackson come back? No, no. We're going to lose by 20, but uh, it would be nice. It would be nice if we could have Lamar Jackson for a revenge thing because I am so tired of, I don't even know what it is, Cincinnati trying to be the underdog at all costs. You can't keep doing that when you have 12 wins and win the division and have won seven games in a row. You're not the little kids anymore. Like, grow up. It, It was baffling. All week was baffling, Jace. It, it was it was just such a bad look, and you're right, from all involved, fans and players and the coach. And I just, I don't, it was basically like from the moment that we more or less, which I guess it would have been like kind of like Wednesday, um, where it seemed like Hamlin was going to live, right? Like that was kind of like, it seemed like, okay, we kind of avoided the worst case scenario here, thankfully. They immediately turned it to just, how does this impact us? essentially thursday night i guess was when the nfl officially canceled the game and almost immediately from that moment when they laid out uh the scenarios and you know it does seem like and we got better news friday but we had pretty a good update on hamlin on thursday where he seemed like he was going to be okay relatively you know in the immediate future um the bengals immediately made it about that joe mixon tweeted about oh we're just changing the rules now and to your point it's like yeah, man. <laughs> like, and the thing I don't get is it's like the NFL can do like, and I saw Mike Florio going on about this and it's like, Oh, we just got to change the rules. It's like, yeah, man, the owners of the NFL can change the rules. It's their league. Like, I don't, you know, it's not, this isn't a government thing. Like the owners want to change the rules. They can do it. And I think for an unprecedented situation, you know, I like to crap on the NFL as much as anyone, but I think for what was a truly unprecedented situation, they did the best job possible disrupting as little as possible because, like you were saying, like, with just the the, the time commitments and planning, like, you cannot move the Super Bowl. If the NFL's like, we're playing the Super Bowl, it is being played on whatever, you know, Sunday in February it is. So you basically have, week 17, you have two weeks to work with your extra AFC championship week and this week. And it just wasn't going to happen. So like just, and it seemed like the Bengals seized on the coin flip thing, but like, you know, the bills all, we should say from the bill side, not only did a, the player who had this happen to them, they play with is their friend and teammate. Uh, they lost the ability to win the number one seed with that game's cancellation. Um, if they win that game and they win on Sunday, which they did, the Bills would have been the number one seed 
and I had to play one less extra game. That is why there would be a neutral site AFC Championship game, should it happen, uh, against the Chiefs. The Chiefs get the number one seed basically as a result of this game being canceled. Kind of just given to them. But I have not seen the Bills complain about this. I have only seen the Bengals complain about this. And you're right. It's just it's just a really bad look. And I don't know where it comes from. Like, I don't know that I've seen a team kind of dine out, Antonio, on, like, one Super Bowl loss like this. Like, the Bills in the early 90s lost four Super Bowls in a row. The Vikings lost four Super Bowls in the 60s and 70s. You know what we talk about those teams as? Super Bowl losers. We don't talk like the Bengals treat themselves as if they won the Super Bowl. And it's like, you know who did win the Super Bowl? Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. He can carry himself a certain way. He's a champion. He's an MVP. The Bengals have won nothing of consequence. They fluked their way to a Super Bowl appearance. And now they react like they're the most aggrieved team in the NFL. And then I guess just to specifically dive into this coin flip scenario. So the idea, as you laid out, (laughs) is if the Ravens beat the Bengals and the Chargers beat the Broncos, which would have set up a Ravens uh, Bengals rematch. The Chargers did not beat the Broncos, by the way. So even if the Ravens win this game, they wouldn't have rematched and the coin flip wouldn't have happened. Uh, But suppose they did suppose that happened. They'd flip a coin to determine home field. Cause as you said, the Ravens path to winning the AFC North, was eliminated. The Bengals were declared AFC North champs before this game even kicked off. They were always going to be the three seed. And then to react like you're being punished in some way for a game that got canceled. It was, I just, it drove me up a wall. And then the coin flip stuff. Oh my God. I mean, (laughs) Joe Mixon with the coin flip celebration, which was apparently inspired by noted loser, Chad Johnson. Like, this this franchise has won nothing. They're 0-3 in Super Bowls. They hadn't won a playoff game in our entire lives, Antonio, until last, like, uh, ja- until January. Last January was the first playoff game they'd won in my entire life. I'm 30 years old now. And, like, I don't know. Just the way they react and, like, the thought they put into not just going out and beating Ravens backups, because it was pretty clear Lamar was never playing in this game by the time they made this coin flip scenario. So the idea, like the amount of time they invested in thinking about losing to Tyler Huntley, who didn't even end up starting, ended up being Anthony Brown, was just such a bad look. And I think just reflects so poorly on everyone in that organization. I've been rambling, but it's, I'm a hundred percent. We both needed, we needed to get this off of our chest. (laughs) And I, I promise everyone, this is, like 40% me being a Ravens fan. It's 60% just being, this was so stupid <laughs> from Cincinnati. Everything was dumb. I'm going to give myself a little bit of benefit of knowing that even impartially, this would have driven me up a wall. Uh, and so I'm trying to, you know, we're trying to be neutral in terms of the frustration. And it's just something we have to talk about and get off our chest because it's yeah, well, dumb. Well, they're like, we'll settle in on the field. It's like, yeah, man, just do that. <laughs> like, just beat them. And you're in the exact same place you would have been. The only minor thing is if, as you said, if they played that game and they beat the Bills on Monday night and then beat the Ravens, they'd be the two seed. The Chiefs would still be the one seed. After the Chiefs won on Saturday, the Bengals had no path to the one seed. So to still be that mad about, like, it's like, no, you don't have the one seed and a bye taken away from you. You have one seeding place and who, by the way, Buffalo is a better team anyway, but you have one seeding place 
removed and that's it and so yeah to just like to spend that much time thinking about like oh flip a coin if we lose that's unfair just win and then you don't have to do any of it and then they did but and then eli apple brings out the big coin after the game oh my god uh, you know while i'm just rambling on it uh just so we can stop talking about the actual Bengals players, I guess, and focus more on the Ravens. This uh, made me laugh. Um, and uh, talking about, uh, I guess they pointed out the Ravens offensive linemen, I guess, were going after allegedly legs and stuff, knees after plays. I didn't see any evidence of that. And in fact, as you said, the Bengals received the only two personal foul penalties on the day. So, you know, what what that for but i, I gotta uh just reinforcing the Bengals are giant front-running losers who aren't going to win the super bowl this year uh this is via the athletic um uh well this quote it was just a lot of stuff late uh who said this taylor Britt, just after the play doing dirty stuff you shouldn't do in football aiming at guys legs and stuff and other dirty hits we don't like play like that we're gonna remember that now this is via the athletic whether coach Zach Taylor expected that from the Ravens or it was purely coincidence, he had his team ready for a fight. During Saturday night's team meeting, he showed the team a video of the fight scenes from the movie Gladiator, but with a twist. Team video coordinator Brooks Santanello and intern Tanner McDowell superimposed the faces of Bengals players on the actors who were doing the ass-kicking in the scenes. First, it would be Jesse Bates delivering the blows. Then the face would shift to Von Bell or Jamar Chase or any number of other Bengals. It was a pretty cool video talking about finishing the season off the right way. What a bunch of losers. You're watching <laughs> super imposed. You're watching fan, like fan edits of your own players on gladiator and you're going to play an NFL game. And you're this aggrieved again over like literally the most unprecedented event, uh, injury wise in the 21st century. In fact, we haven't really had a similar thing in, I believe in the late nineties, there was a player who needed CPR on the field and he lived. Thankfully we haven't had a player die on the field since the seventies. This was like something like we haven't seen in like 50 years, basically 25 years. And then the Bengals, just their response to it was just a disgrace. I have no sympathy for that franchise. And I don't know how they got, that's the other thing, I guess. I don't know how they got this way this quickly. Like, it was, they went 2-14 and 14 in 2019, and they went like 4-12 and 12 in Bur Burrow's rookie year when he tore his ACL, and they go 10-7 and seven to make the Super Bowl last year, and now they act like, yeah, like you said, they have like the biggest chip on their shoulder of all time, and the Super Bowl window's wide open. It's my whole career, Joe Burrow says. It's like, get out of here, dude. You're the Bengals. You guys have won like eight playoff games your entire history. You're one of literally the least successful NFL teams in the history of the NFL. My entire life until two years ago, until last year, the Bengals were nothing and they will be nothing. And they have skyrocketed Antonio, you know, past. I, I hate all the teams at the AFC North for different reasons. The Browns are a disgracefully run franchise that have hit a new low with the Sean Watson thing, who, by the way, was one of the worst QBs in the NFL this year when he played. So, you know, good for them. You did it, Cleveland. Yeah, and, you know, and, but. I hate the Pittsburgh Steelers. I hate the Pittsburgh Steelers. I know beyond Commanders fans and Ravens fans, I know more fans of the Pittsburgh Steelers than any other franchise. But you know what I do, Antonio? I do appreciate the actual, or like respect, the actual Pittsburgh Steelers, the six-time Super Bowl champion, 
Pittsburgh Steelers, one of the best teams in the NFL over the last 50 years, a team that now has the second longest run of winning seasons in the NFL history. 19 straight years, the Steelers have had a winning record. I respect their stability. I respect what they do. I respect their championship pedigree. I have hated a lot of the players, but they have earned it. They have earned the respect because they are one of the best franchises year in and year out in the NFL every year. The Bengals are a clown franchise that now act like they should run the league. And it's like, learn your place. Just calm down and just like respect an unprecedented situation. And if you're that good, go out and play football. Just go do it. And the fact that they spent all week complaining, I do not like their Super Bowl chances. I'm sorry for going on a second rant. I just had to, I had to get my, <laughs> that out there. I just, the, the, you know, you got to earn it. And the Steelers, as much as they have frustrated me over the years, I respect that team. I respect that organization. I do not respect the way. And the, the, my respect for the Bengals has plummeted. Not that it was high anyway. And they might be my least favorite team in the NFL at present time. We just needed to, we needed this time to open this show up because that's how aggravated we are about how many, they made t-shirts, they made Goodell with the clown nose t-shirt, the league voted, the owners voted, (laughs) two-thirds of the owners agreed to change this based on unprecedented circumstances. Okay, as for the actual NFL football game that happened in Cincinnati, whatever. Yeah, it didn't Uh, bother me that much. It was it was nice that we had the sense that it wasn't even Huntley by Saturday when they added Huntley to, to the active roster that it became pretty clear that it was going to be Anthony Brown. That helped. That gave us 24 hours to just sort of uh, uh, accept that this was going to be a game that the Ravens had punted on. So Anthony Brown turned the ball over, shockingly. Uh, he had horrible, I will say a horrible <laughs> interception. Uh, another interception that essentially was just a shovel pass from Demarcus Robinson to a Cincinnati Bengal. He had the fumble uh, on the one-yard line, which, of course, in the worst scenario possible. Gus Edwards, even though the Ravens are resting some of their more important starters, they play Gus Edwards, who gets hurt immediately. He's now in concussion protocol, uh, so of course that happens. The wide receivers for the Ravens, off, I'm focusing on offensive stuff here, and, and then I'll, I'll get Jace's uh, insight on the offense before we pivot, but... Need to talk about the the output and the performance from the wide receiver group of this franchise, because I would say that statistically they were by far a net negative to the actual success in terms of metrics of of making plays that end up getting points and winning football games. Demarcus Robinson had two catches on nine targets, a handoff interception. He induced an incorrect challenge flag from John Harbaugh on a four-yard completion by doing the sign of the cross. I think he was, like, swearing or, like, swearing on his life or on his grandmother or on God or something, insisting that he had caught the ball, did a sign of the cross, and as he's explaining that he definitely caught it, he didn't. He didn't catch it. You could see it sort of hit the ground. But insisting for a four-yard completion that John Harbaugh should throw the challenge flag, which he then does, and it doesn't, isn't successful. He drops the very next pass that hits him directly in the chest after chirping with the Bengals' sideline about whether the play should be challenged or not and whether or not he caught it. He was so embarrassed by the drop that he just immediately sprinted as far away from the Bengals' sideline as he possibly could. 
a masterclass in a losing performance uh, from one <laughs> position player who's not the quarterback. <coughs> Prochet had three targets, zero catches, and a 50-yard reception called back because he had ran out of bounds on his own, not knowing where he was on the field uh, while trying to... I'm not even going to say while trying to get open. He already was open. But while running downfield, ran out of bounds before catching the catching the ball, had an illegal touching call against him. Jace, on our infamous text thread, offered the challenge of, I wonder if Prochet has more penalty yards this season than receiving yards. Well, don't you worry, Jace, because I looked back and I did the, I did the homework. I did the research. I looked it up. This year, Prochet has 62 receiving yards for the season. He has 39 penalty yards on five separate penalties however officially his illegal touching penalty on sunday counted for zero penalty yards even though it in theory wiped out a 50 yard play so i would argue that in fact yes he has more penalty or whatever you want to call them negative yards on the season than actual receiving yards as a wide receiver in a season where we don't have wide receivers on the roster amazing sammy watkins signed a couple of weeks ago two big plays on i can't believe i'm saying this intriguing back shoulder type throws that no other active receiver on this roster is capable of understanding on the fly he did it twice where he saw the throw adjusted to it mid-route and kind of a back shoulder kind of like a fade and then immediately fumbles on what was the biggest offensive play of the game for the Ravens when he makes that back shoulder catch and breaks a tackle, then loses all sense of whether or not there are other Bengal defenders on the field and does the stiff arm one guy (laughs) get the ball stripped out by another guy. The most predictable fumble you saw coming from a mile away. Unprecedented offensive wide receiver play from this Raven team in a season that we've joked around about how bad that room is, but they just really had the peak of it happen in this game with their third string quarterback who had to throw the ball 44 times. Incredible stuff offensively, Jace. <laughs> yeah, the Watkins stuff in particular, I feel like it's like, it's just so on the nose. And I think even the sadder part is you're right. He is by far the most talented guy in the Ravens <laughs> wide receiver room currently healthy. And, you know, he's a top 10 pick, top five pick, I think. And, you know, he, he he's... He's been around. He at least knows what he's doing, which, as you outlined, I can't say for certain everyone on the Ravens does in the wide receiver room. But, you know, I mean, there's some some Greg Roman qualms, obviously, always. But uh, as it pertains to this game in particular, just the wide receiver issue to me is so glaring when you're playing your third string quarterback. It's like... You know, when you're down to your third string, it's like receivers got to help them out and make plays, and they just can't. I mean, from what I could tell, the first catch for a Ravens wide receiver was Demarcus Robinson with 3.30 to go in the third quarter. (laughs) They they go almost three quarters without a single wide receiver catch. I believe the broadcast showed that was around target 10 for Ravens wide receivers at that point, and they finally got a completion. Like, as you said, Anthony Brown's line was bad. But 
you know, I'm not going to blame him too much. He's a third-string quarterback. And I will say Anthony Brown continues this trend that I find fascinating of guys who weren't particularly good in college finding their way into NFL games as players. Uh, we'll talk about a little bit. Skylar Thompson comes to mind as another guy who wasn't especially good in college. Brock Purdy was fine. He's having success. But Anthony Brown, not that good a college player. So 19 for 44, 286, uh, two interceptions. A lot of those yards, as we said, coming in garbage time. Because though he finished with 79 yards on two catches, all of Sammy Watkins' production came at least after that 330 mark in the third quarter with the Ravens already handily down. It's just so obvious that like something massive needs to change there um, in the offseason. And yet, Antonio, I do want to say, this game... <laughs> winnable question mark we'll get into how the defense played but it did make me wonder obviously the big thing the ravens do is they rest a number of key offensive starters tyler huntley who's going to be your starting quarterback next week and uh marcus peters on defense and then jk dobbins kevin zeitler mark andrews all inactive for this game uh and as we kind of lined out conceding it and this just plays back into the frustration i had with how the Bengals were handling this it's like i had i should say and if any Bengals fans are listening to this and made it through my our, our rants i had no belief the ravens were ever winning this game ever all season and then especially in the lead up to the game uh but then when you roll out a third string quarterback you're conceding the game Pretty much. You're kind of admitting we're not trying to win this game when you say if our backup quarterback, he's dealing with a short sh shoulder, he can go if he needs to. Frankly, that kind of seems like where your starting quarterback is too. Can he go if he needs to? I don't know. Throw a brace on? Who's to say? No one literally knows at this point. But you rest all these key guys, and I can't help but think, like, you know, if you have J.K. Dobbins in this game, if you have Mark Andrews in this game, even if you have Kevin Zeitler in this game, are you able to win with what the Ravens defense did for you and not Anthony Brown? I don't know. It, chances are unlikely based on the fact that Tyler Huntley hasn't guided you to two touchdowns in any of his starts. Um, but, but you know, I at least like the chances more than your third string quarterback, uh, who was definitely worse than Tyler Huntley in college. So, um, you know, I, I just, I open it up to you. Because we should say, too, if the Ravens win they f and the Broncos won, which they didn't, they would have forced the coin flip. So we're either going to Jacksonville this week or had the potential to host a home playoff game, and the Ravens elected to do neither. And it's just a curious choice. And that's where my other, I guess, frustration comes in. Yeah, if you take the totality of the coaching decisions pregame and in-game, and you can put them all together, yeah, I think they had a legitimate chance of winning this stupid football game. Even... I mean, you knew Brown was going to throw an intercept. You knew he was going to have the throw that sailed or whatever. You know, the guy in his face and he was going to make a mistake. You knew Demarcus Robinson was going to have uh, yet another drop that leads to something disastrous. But even with that, yeah, I kind of wanted Dobbins. I kind of wanted Zeitler. I kind of wanted Andrews. I mean, the, the Huntley stuff, we don't know how bad the shoulder was. They don't make two mistakes in this game, and it's a one-score game in the fourth quarter, realistically. And because you know that this defense can keep things close, can keep things low-scoring at all times. I mean, the final score is 27 points for Cincinnati. They didn't give up the, the fumble on the one-yard line that led to a touchdown for Cincinnati's defense. They played pretty stout, especially considering they had some short fields repeatedly. 
I think Brown threw interceptions on consecutive passes yeah, uh, in the first half. Yeah, 17-0 was Bengals get a field goal drive, and then he sails the one, Bengals score. Uh, I believe that was when Mixon might have done the coin flip. And then there was uh, he throws the Demarcus Robinson pick, and that ends in the nice Burrow to Chase connection, I believe. Uh, These... So, yeah, and then you're down 17 nothing, And that's, you know, in this game, that's game at that point. Like, Anthony Brown's not coming out of a 17-point deficit. But you're right. Like, they don't make those mistakes. The Bengals didn't do much in this game offensively. And maybe they were holding some back, but just – I don't know. I didn't mind it too much going into the game, but then after the game and like how it played out, just the the idea to like just be like, we're fine going back here next week. You know, I you would have liked to at least I think give it all out because you had a chance to have this game at home where that really matters to you, and or be playing the Jacksonville Jaguars, who you should have beat. You didn't, but you should have beat. Had a nine point lead on them. Just over a month ago. Um, so, you know, yeah, I don't know. I <laughs> I wasn't thrilled with the inactives, uh, and I'm even more annoyed with it, I think, in hindsight, seeing how the game played out. It's just every game and every team in the NFL is, even the best team in the NFL, the worst team in the NFL, they're pretty close in terms of ta- the worst team in the league can beat the best team in the league. You play 10 times, they're going to win one of them, at least. They might win two of them if you play 10 times. So when you have a situation of a team you've already beaten, you have actually a lot of guys healthy. It's really just the quarterback and, and, and wide receiver. <laughs> but you have a lot of guys healthy, especially defensively. There was a chance to steal it. There's a chance to steal these kind of games, especially if something stupid happens late. If there's a turnover that Cincinnati has happened late in the game or you get something on special teams. So that was frustrating. Uh, it was frustrating to give up on it before you even got to it, you know, got got into the start of the game, but whatever. I, I accept it at this point. Um, and I'm almost more intrigued now about the playoff game against Cincinnati than I was before having seen this game because Cincinnati had everybody uh, outside of an offensive lineman, I suppose, who they will not have for the playoff game either. But they're pretty much at full strength, and they missed opportunities. Baltimore got off the field defensively a lot. The Ravens had excellent pressure. Let's turn this defensively now. We're able to get pressure with four or five all day. Now, could they get any sacks? Absolutely not, because the notoriously nimble Joe Burrow was able to duck out of sacks over and over and over again on plays that should never have happened. But things to like from this defense. Even with short fields, they played pretty well. The only defender, I would say, that got sort of, let's say, lost his positional matchup was Daryl Worley, who is a super backup playing because there was no Peters and because there was no Stevens in this game. They threw to him every play, seemingly. (laughs) He's not supposed to be there next week. He's not supposed to be on the field next week. Well, and the thing that's funny with him is he was, like, mostly in the vicinity. He just doesn't make the plays on the ball that you would hope maybe a Marcus Peters does. So, yeah, I, I was encouraged there, too, that, like, they really didn't test Marlin at all, and I thought... I didn't even really notice Marlon Humphrey, so I assumed he had a good game because they never really threw to him. They were just targeting Darrell Worley. And, yeah, like you said, I, I I thought the pressure was good. Obviously, the Bengals did, like, nothing in the second half. Lots of three and outs. And, and yeah, maybe they weren't going all out because they figured, like, you know, it's Anthony Brown on the other side. So, like, 
let's not show too too much but like they played they played their guys and they they scored 20 points on offense and you know of their 27 points they scored uh 21 were directly attributable to anthony brown mistakes mostly so um yeah joe burrow 202 passing yards the rushing attack total for cincinnati 55 yards on 20 (laughs) carries that i'm gonna take that i'm gonna take worse than that and i think the ravens will have a legit chance of winning yeah, you can beat most teams in the NFL with those, but especially, and especially I think in light of how much Burrow lit them up last year, I think your two performances against them are just are just re- really encouraging uh, on the whole. Uh, and I'm I'm with you. I think the idea of having Peters and Stevens back for a rematch, I like. Would love it if the quarterback's there, but we'll get more into that uh, in a little bit. Elsewhere, defensively. Roquan Smith um, had 16 combined tackles in this game. 16, and I think his number on the season is now 169 tackles, combined tackles in 17 games. My goodness, uh, he was everywhere on the field, terrified all of us in Raven country when he looked banged up after play. I thought it was a concussion, or at least concussion pro, you know, wanting to check for concussion, but it looked like it was a stinger because they were giving him those the assessments where they're testing his um uh like strength of being able to resistance and resistance training and those kind of things to make sure that he could push off against and came back onto the field a couple of plays later so that was good to see odafeo is a waste of space officially a waste (laughs) of space and i i'm getting meaner and meaner about it every week and he's probably gonna make me look bad next season or the season after that or on the next team that he ends up playing for that isn't the ravens his biggest contribution this game was getting a half sack with Justin Houston that, number one, cost Justin Houston a million dollars in bonus money and also meant the Ravens, once again, didn't get a double-digit sack player for the season because Houston getting a half sack instead of a full sack kept him at 9.5 instead of 10, where that incentive would have kicked in. He also, away specifically tried to trip sack Joe Burrow, missed... And then also missed him, I believe, either after that or before that he on the same on that play. play. <laughs> so that was good from your first round. Uh, and, and he missed him in like jumps a way out of the where... gym athletically pass rusher. Oh my gosh! On that particular sequence too, he missed him in a, a way that looked like he was like like a bullfighter or something. Like he like like was trying to miss him. You're like, how don't you even touch him on this? Just play? jump at, just jump yeah, at him. Your arms are longer than his. <laughs> you're tall. You're big. You're supposedly fast, but yeah, I I just don't see it with him. Um, we should say one pass rusher we did see that uh, you know. This almost is a frustration for me, Antonio, because, like, I'm like, hey, where was this guy, like, in the weeks left of this? Like, why? You only gave a run because you're resting all these guys? David Ajabo. game You could argue a game-changing play, or should have been. Ended up not being next to the Ravens' offense, kind of. But forces a nice Burrow sack that was, like, an all-effort sack. He did not win his matchup against the Bengals' left tackle. Uh, who I believe is Jonah Williams these days, but uh, he um, he didn't win that matchup. But what he did do was he kept trying, and I guess the secondary was holding up in the back end, and he just kept running, and he eventually kind of just ran around Williams, and uh, Burrow rolled right into him pretty much, and he got the sack, stri- strip sack, and 
it was just a very impactful play and i just the only thing i wonder is i wish we'd seen more of him i think down the stretch because i well i, th- I mean the win there will be will we see more of him moving forward now did, did he play his way onto the playoff roster making a game-changing play i kind of want him over one of the veteran guys i don't know how they'll handle that in terms of the numbers of of the roster if it's Jason Pierre-Paul, you know, not making the... Th- it, it, there's basically... It's him, it's Houston, Paul, Ojabo, Tyus Bowser, and Oway. And it's like, how many of these... Are we really going to keep, you know, five different guys for these two position groups? Are we going to have four? We'll see, but I think he's forced his way. Uh, the athleticism was there. Not only did he, you know, close and have effort... But he got the sap, sack and the strip. It was it was a textbook play from a pass rusher, and we have not seen a lot of it. Uh, I want to touch quickly on... I, I teased this a couple of minutes ago about the coaching staff, the decisions they made pregame and in-game that all were negative. A couple of in-game things that were really, really bad, <laughs> in my opinion. They're down 17 nothing. I get it. It's 17 nothing, But they went for it on fourth and one in field goal range. In the first half, I'm kind of on the set. In the, at that point, you need three scores. Kick the you have Anthony Brown. Take points when you can get them. Kick the field goal, and you're down 14. Or <laughs> if you go for it, maybe a little bit of creativity. They literally ran a Kenyon Drake dive right up. The, it was the most obvious scenario with a third string quarterback that you're not going to throw it, and they just played right into it. I think they lost yardage on that fourth and one. The decision on first and 10 from their own five-yard line with 47 seconds left and a third-string QB at the end of the first half was laughable. They should have ran the ball three times in a row, uh, tried to get a first down, if not forced the Bengals to use their timeouts, and punted it away. The Bengals would have had the ball with like 15 seconds, uh, and I would have taken those odds. Did they actually think that they had a better chance in that scenario with Anthony Brown to gain 60 yards in 40 seconds as opposed to having a negative play or a disaster strike? And it blew up right in their face, and they deserved it. And then I mentioned this earlier, the Harbaugh four-yard challenge, turning a third and nine into ideally a third and five, was ridiculous, and they blew a challenge and a timeout on that. So you love to see it uh, the week before the playoffs for the coaching staff to, in my opinion, have several blunders in this game. The end of half stuff will never make. I like. I don't know why they're just not content to just go into the locker room with what it is in these scenarios. Because they try to do the same stuff with Lamar, and they they don't succeed with him. And so then the idea that they're going to like go down the field quickly with Anthony Brown, it's just not happening. And so I don't. That's like. You know, the situational football they always talk about. You can't do a shotgun snap with your third string QB on third and nine into the end zone. You know, and yeah, do you want Ronnie Stanley to not just get beaten pretty handily on that on that rep by Trey Hendrickson? Sure, but Hendrickson's a good player, and you're right. They never should have been in that scenario because they should have run it three times and then kicked, and the Bengals wouldn't have had their timeouts and instead, yeah, blew up in their face. And I'll never understand why they can't just eat the ball i bet if they take a knee i bet zach taylor doesn't even do anything because he's not like they're up what 17 to 3 at that point (laughs) Um, so it's like yeah like why why even risk it like i i doubt the Bengals would even yeah it's 17 to 7 at that point so 
that was weird. But then I, I feel like on the other end of the spectrum, like you mentioned that fourth down, Antonio, and that wasn't great. But then I thought Harbaugh got weirdly conservative in the later stages of the game. Like, and I assume that's just because you are playing Anthony Brown. Like, that's your reasoning. But, like, to not seem to care if you win this game, right, based on your inactives, why not just try to win it and, like, be aggressive? Instead, they kicked 26 and 27-yard field goals in this game. And the 27-yard field goal comes when the team's down 27 to 13 to make it 27 uh Instead of trying to make it, you know, 27 to 20, they make it 27 to 16. And that's your final score. They never score again. Uh, and so I just don't, I, I was just not a fan of that. And even Justin Tucker's 51-yard field goal that made it 27-13, it was a fourth and four. Like, that's not too long. Like, teams go for that these days. If, and if you, you're, like, trying to win the game, which they get aggressive all these other times, I was just kind of surprised <laughs> You know, they didn't, and it wasn't like one of those field goals, admittedly, the short field goals they took wasn't like the best down in distance, but still, like, I don't know, kicking a field goal to make it 27-16 just did nothing for me at that moment in the game, and and I would have just liked to be more aggressive, because it's like, you know, you're clearly fine losing based on the roster you trotted out there and everything you've done to that point. Why not just get aggressive? Like the Lions, like we, we'll talk about it. Like we saw the Lions do on Sunday Night Football, a team already eliminated from the playoffs. You have a chance to kind of win something here. Like, I'd like, uh, you know, and. Just, they, Jace, they're just saving all the good plays. They're saving them all for the playoffs. Don't you worry, listener. They, As Jace accidentally joked last week, they went vanilla this week, Jace. They just wanted to hide yeah. all those super creative plays oh, for when God. they really need it, the postseason, it, yeah, where they'll have one game. It just struck me as odd that they didn't. As aggressive <sighs> right. as he gets in weird scenarios, just to not in that moment, just baffled me. Enough of this game. <laughs> a weird game, a game we were all, yeah, pretty relaxed for, and uh, accepted a double-digit loss <laughs> yeah, in a situation, the, yeah. Truly the calmest, I think, viewing experience I've had all year. There was a few complaints about Demarcus Robinson being wide receiver one, and some other stuff and Anthony Brown, but on the whole, I, you know, I, I feel like my blood pressure was probably as low as it's been during a Ravens game this whole year. All right, we are not going to do random Raven this week. Uh, just doesn't seem fair with only two people uh, in the booth. So again, instead, we are going to do Harbaugh quotes with just two people in the booth. So Jace will have to determine which of these three quotes I made up and which two John Harbaugh said. Jace, these all came out on Monday afternoon, so I'm hoping you missed the press conference uh, and didn't hear didn't hear what Harbaugh had to say because there was there were some good ones. So, quote number one on benching starters for the week 17 or week 18 game against the Bengals. Yeah, it was just something that had to be decided, and it was a decision I made based on evaluating different players, different situations, and you know everyone's different. There isn't one thing for each guy. Just evaluating each situation and making a determination on whether they should play or get time to rest up for the playoff run. Quote number two on, by the way, waving Nick Boyle. <clears throat> Nick's a guy that's been here for a long time. We've been through a lot. Nick is playing good football. Even this year, he's played a lot of football. So it's a roster move that we had to make. 
we have some options with that in terms of bringing him back or possibly the practice squad, things like that. So I would still say Nick's in our plans, you know? Quote number three, unwaving, by the way, Deshaun Jackson. <laughs> Deshaun, I just can't say enough about Deshaun. I really enjoyed being around him, you know? He's a good guy and a fun guy to be around a, and comp a competitive guy. And I'm just appreciative that we had a chance to get to know him a little bit because I never really knew him throughout the course of our paths never really crossed. So, uh, but we'll just be moving forward from there on that. End quote. Oh, no. So those are, the, those are the three quotes this week. Jace, pressure is on you. Which one uh, is the fake quote? Oh, this is always so hard. See, I thought I was like, the first two are for sure real. And then you said that third one. And I was like, that was so meandering. That has to be hardball. So I'm going to say one is fake. Congratulations, Jace Evans. Yes! Finally, <laughs> a victory on Harbaugh quotes. The benching starters quote is fake. Oh, uh, I, I tried to put that. in the word decision eight different times and then oh, different a bunch of different times, but uh, Jace was all over that one. Because I, I was like, you know what did it for me on the Deshaun one? Was I was like he wouldn't have talked about the shot, but then the 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 like the dash path just like changing to like just a different idea entirely. I was like, that's a real. That, your brain doesn't think of that. That's a guy <laughs> speaking, just no idea where it's going. <laughs> also, b both quotes about these guys first complimenting Nick Boyle and that he's playing good football, but also he was waived, so he couldn't have been playing that good of football. And then also maybe we'll bring him back, which is possible. I do believe that's possible. I think some of this stuff was the quarterback numbers and having to adjust the roster. But the Deshaun Jackson stuff, just 100% like, he's cool. Nothing about how he played for the team. And then the definitive, yeah, he's not coming back. Not coming back in this building. We're just going to be moving forward from there on that. Uh, I was actually surprised that he dared say so much about a roster move because... Think of, think of you know, how many cards he could have held close to the vest, Jace, if he had instead said, who knows, Deshaun, he might come back. You know, it can't be known whether or not Deshaun Jackson will be back in the building. But no, he actually said something. So good job on you, John Harbaugh. And good job on Jace of nailing which one was the fake well, quote. You know what keyed me off on the Boyle one was just the, the follow-up, he's played a lot of football. <laughs> Like, he's a, exactly he's playing good football he's played said. a lot of football this year yeah which is kind of almost backhanded that he said that so, for this year it was another great fake quote from you because i was like definitely real how many times he said decision and plan or whatever <laughs> everyone's different i was like that's definitely real but then yeah all the weird little verbal ticks and weird things in the last two i was like oh those have to be real <laughs> all right let's turn to the rest of the nfl the last week of the NFL had some some stuff happen, Jace. Which one for you was uh, maybe the, the funnest or the most noteworthy? Dallas looking real bad against the Washington Commanders, who now have to play, oh gosh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers round one of the playoffs after an absolute stinker uh, in their last game. Is it the Texans, who tried so hard, and we have the answer now as we record on Monday, why do they try so hard? Because Lovey Smith probably knew that he was going to be fired. So what is he what is he trying to lose games for? Why would he care about the Texans getting the number 1 pick or the number 2 pick if he's not going to be there? So good on you Lovey Smith. Was it 
Miami third stringer Skylar Thompson and Joe Flacco combining for five field goals and a safety in a game that had playoff implications? Was it Detroit, <laughs> Detroit Green Bay? Which of these uh, games, Jace, or something else that may have happened that, that intrigued you the most or thought was the, the spiciest Sunday action? Well, all of these interest me for different reasons. I mean, the Texans one is obviously the most, I think, interesting of the non-playoff teams. So I guess we'll start there because, well, the Packers. We'll get to them in a second. But uh, obviously, the Texans lose the number one pick with this 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 last minute drive. So it, for those who don't know, uh, via Roger Sherman, um, this was very fun. Uh, um, if you don't uh, on the final drive, the Texans convert a fourth and ten, uh, two different fourth and tens. One of them being a fourth and twenty, actually, and uh, they became the only team to convert two fourth and tens uh, in the same game this year. And they did it on their final drive. Uh, and the last being a fourth and twenty touchdown pass with just over thirty seconds to go. They then go for two to beat the Colts, thirty-two, thirty-one. But I mean. A 4th and 20 TD pass where the guy on the Colts looks like he's point shaving. He, like, mistimes the jump. And yes, he did. The, the interception goes sailing through his hands. Not a good pass. No one else makes a play on the ball because they, I guess they just think this guy's going to intercept it. And a Texans guy, like, accidentally catches it in the end zone. Um, it just will have, I think, you know, obviously you said Lovey Smith's fired. But it, it's going to have big implications on the draft because now the Chicago Bears are on the clock. I read the number one overall pick for the first time since 1947, which is hard to believe. But uh, um, the Bears now control the draft. And for a rebuilding team, a very stealth tank by the Bears, who went one and seven in one score games this year, uh, looked like they were competing every week and lost their last 10 games uh, to finish four and, or three and 14. So uh, excellent job by the Bears. Uh, I don't think your rebuild can get started any better. You already seemingly have the quarterback. You just need... Well, let me let me stop you right there, Jace. You're, you're the GM. Just very quickly, you're the GM of the Chicago Bears today. I know you know the college game. Are you drafting a QB at number one, or are you working with fields and either moving back or going defense in that first pick? I'm moving back. I, the... the it's going to be a quarterback at number one for whoever wants to jump the Houston Texans picking at number two, uh, because I, I think you could get real assets for this pick. Uh, so I'd be stunned if the bears actually make the selection. I think they'll trade down. Um, there's going to be some quarterback needy teams. Uh, Bryce young, I think is the best of the bunch, but he's very small. So it's going to be weird. You're going to get talked into Will Levis, the Kentucky guy. People are going to talk themselves into him or CJ Stroud, uh, the Ohio state quarterback. But, uh, yeah, so that'll just that whole how that fourth and twenty TD late two point conversion uh, plays out will um, impacts the draft, which is always one of the most fun events on the NFL calendar. So that was a very meaningful week eighteen, and I we really haven't seen drama with the draft uh, in positioning like this since uh, you know the Jets accidentally won two games in a row to take themselves out of the Trevor Lawrence sweepstakes a few years back. So um, uh, there. That was notable. We should say the other non-playoff team, uh, and I, I'm curious your opinion on this. Is Aaron Rodgers retiring, Antonio? It kind oh, of I have seems some thoughts. Like it. Uh, so the Lions, you know, Lions already eliminated. They find out with the Seahawks win when that game kicks off. But I thought the Lions played a really fun game. And that was the funnest game for me of Week 18, um, just given the stakes and the environment. Lambeau Field, always fun, under the lights. 
And, and I, I thought it was just a really strong, you know, the Lions aren't going to the playoffs, but they finished nine and eight after starting one and six. And it, it just, you know, Dan Campbell said on the pregame, what are they playing for? He said, we don't want them to go to the playoffs of the Packers and to knock them out. That has to be a pretty sweet feeling, even for a team that's season ends today. I think the Lions, you know, they're not going to be in the playoffs, but they have a lot to be proud of. And you open up this can of worms of is Aaron Rodgers retiring, uh, which is uh, seems to be the dominant story of the day of the teams that aren't in the playoffs right now. So I'm curious what your thoughts. Well, yeah, a couple of things about this game. Uh, I put it in my tees last week, first of all, in my three-team tees. I had won the first two games of the three-team tees and then was just waiting on this result and then also got what I thought was the good fortune, or whatever, at least, or things going chalk, in that the Seahawks won their game, which I now knew the Lions were eliminated, and I thought Green Bay could just play it out. There's no way the Packers at home against this particular team, who is also now eliminated from the playoffs. It's a night game. It's freezing. It's the NFL wanting Aaron Rodgers to be a quarterback in the postseason. We should also say the Lions have only won in Lambeau Field three times in the last 30 seasons (laughs) entering this game. So I was feeling pretty good. I was feeling pretty good about myself in that instance, Jace. And then a couple of things happened early, and it was the fourth, the Packers not getting the fourth and one, or the fourth and inches conversion on their own 30-yard line, which why, you know, just punts are allowed. Uh, You can punt the ball when you are backed up in your own territory, but so that didn't work. And then there was the, I believe it was Aaron Jones, the fumble. He, He fumbled, yes in the red zone on a drive where the Packers are moving the ball. And after that happened, I got the full on like, well, this is, I can, I'm, I'm, the writing is on the wall for me. It's one of those stupid games that they're making the mistakes in the first half that should have made it comfortable. Like you, they could, they could have been a two score lead the entire game, but they're blowing it and keeping it way too close. And now you have this Lions team that is like having fun being close to a team that they're rivals with in theory and they can now eliminate. And I hated it. Aaron (laughs) Rodgers, as he has done now the last few seasons when the game has gotten really cold late, he gets worse and worse as opposed to better and better. Had some good throws. The receivers absolutely dropped some passes, but he also has entered the, if a defense is blitzing seven or eight guys, I'm just chucking it. I am chucking it deep and hoping that my guy comes down with it. One time he did. (laughs) It did work. And then at the end of the game, it did not work at all. Uh, As for him retiring, I am torn because on field, and I'm not even talking about the I'm going to hang on to this jersey thing, which I think was him honestly just being polite in not wanting to give the jersey to a a random player on the Detroit Lions. I think it was just spur of the moment. (laughs) Like, now I'm going to hang on to it. Like, instead of saying... No, like no soup for you and then moving on. However, the other, he, the walk off the field looked interesting. The arm over the shoulder of Randall Cobb in the tunnel when he knew he was on camera, that part of it was interesting. And I started to get the, like, this feels like the end of something. And then I remembered that he's set to make $60 million if he plays next year. Um... (laughs) He has earned $300 million, roughly, from the Packers, like as a player, not through endorsements or anything else, but he's earned $300 million in his, like, 18-year career with the Green Bay Packers through the end of this season. He can make nearly a quarter more, a quarter of that amount more, 
if he plays one more season, Jace. Do I think he's playing one more season? Yes. <laughs> do I think he makes the, you know, a little complaining about get me a wide receiver this offseason? Yes. And then I think the team is kind of squared away with him. You know, they add a, a piece defensively, they add a wide receiver, and I think they're pretty much ready to go. So I think he stays, and I think he enjoys the extra $60 million, plays the age 40 season, and doesn't want to go out on a 8-9 and nine season, no playoffs, losing to the Detroit frickin' Lions. So I expect to see him next season. It's very funny how his career with the Packers started... Basically, they drafted him because Brett Favre kept contemplating retirement and then stuck around another three seasons. And now Rodgers is doing the exact same thing uh, and why they drafted Jordan Love. He's he's talked openly about retirement after last offseason. Uh, he, he seemed to, you know, as you said, some indications he's thinking about it this time. I don't see him walking away either. Uh, <laughs> personally, uh, you know, I... I like Rodgers sometimes. He's annoyed me more and more lately, uh, I'll say the last year and a half. But, uh, um, you know, it is what it is. I, I don't see him walking away either. And, you know, it, he's still good. <laughs> but to your point, when it gets cold, he's, he's, not, he's not risen to the moment in the biggest games several years now. Uh, and uh, it's just kind of becoming a trend. Um, but as some of the other games you hit on, the other, the only, the other thing, and this I guess kind of turns us a little into just the playoff games in general. Go um, for it. But yeah, the Cowboys don't look good, and they tried to win that game because the NFC East was up for grabs when it started, and the Eagles did not play great a great game. That game was close like the whole time against the Giants backup squad and Davis Webb. Uh, and the Cowboys tried to win, and they just didn't. And I think they are setting the stage for if they go one and done, they are a, is Mike McCarthy getting fired? And is Sean Payton coming home uh, team? Uh, because that talk had kind of quieted down as the Cowboys looked pretty impressive. And now they're kind of stumbling into the postseason. Dax looked pretty not pedestrian at best, I would say. He seems <coughs> to have an, an awful interception every other week. Um these days and yeah i am just not confident in the cowboys heading into what should be a winnable game but to a team they lost 19 to 3 to earlier this year so uh and his quarterback by tom brady uh who has never lost to the dallas cowboys i believe seven and oh all time against the dallas cowboys is tom brady it you know it's america's team they get more media attention and uh they have more fans than literally every other team in the NFL. There's a reason all these shows talk about them. There's just more of them, more fans of the Cowboys than any other team. But uh, yeah, I, I think like entering of all the kind of the, the playoff games entering the, the weekend, they, they, they seem to lay like the biggest egg, uh, certainly um, of the teams. I, I think that we're still c competing for something. Uh, and, and yeah, it sets up an interesting possibly end of the Mike McCarthy era if they go one and done, I think. So, yeah, that that's interesting, Jace. I'm, you know, spoiling my gambling picks. I'm taking the Cowboys in this game, and I'm taking them because I, I'm trying to compartmentalize this last game of the season as they're scoreboard watching. They know it's unlikely. I mean, I, I, it was the, the Eagles game was relatively close, but I do think they're up 16 to nothing uh, for yeah. a, a large stretch of that game. I'm just telling myself 
they actually went vanilla on offense because they have the capability to do that um, and and didn't <laughs> kind of push it as much in the second half. And I just think they have too much offensively. The Bucks cannot run the ball. Famously can't run the ball. The Cowboys have two guys who can run the ball very effectively. I had no idea that Tony Pollard had a 1,000 yards rushing this season as the number two back on this team. I think they're going to hit him with the one-two punch on the ground. Uh, I watched that week one game of Bucks cowboys and I just... They're different teams that than they are than they were week one. I think the Bucks they're in that situation where Brady's doing the balls out. The, the Ben Roethlisberger from last season. The ball's out in three seconds. They can do one of three things. If I have believed, which I have said multiple times in this podcast, that the Bucks are a bad football team. They're eight and nine. They got wins against their own division, who are also really bad football teams. They beat the Saints late. They split with the uh, with the Panthers. They Split with the Falcons. Cowboys won 12 games. They won 12 games this year. They have too much talent offensively. Even if Dak Prescott makes a stupid play, I think they can still hang on. I'm I'm taking them. The line is three, and that's what I'm intrigued by. Um, If I believe that the Bucs are a bad eight and nine football team, I can't not take the Cowboys minus three. So I am going to end up taking that. But some other games, as we go through the matchups gigantic lines or lines that I have no idea what to do with. So Seahawks at 49ers. Niners are 10 point favorites in this game. Of course, I think they're going to win this game comfortably. Do I think they win it by double digits, a playoff game? I don't know. I don't feel comfortable with that. Chargers at Jaguars. Chargers one point favorite in that game, even though Jacksonville done very well down the stretch destroyed Uh, the chargers in los angeles this season (laughs) don't know what to do with that line dolphins at bills this line is bills by 10 and a half even though the bills lost to miami early in the season and then only beat them by three in buffalo later in the season we don't know who the quarterback is for the dolphins but ten and a half is a giant number that I don't know what to do with. I think two is probably gonna play. He hasn't played in weeks with the concussion, concussion number three on the season, if not even more than that. But he's, I think he hasn't played in like three weeks. I have a hunch he is gonna play in this game. So I don't know what to do with ten and a half as a line. If it becomes clear that he isn't playing, this line is gonna go to fourteen for sure, if not more than that. I have no idea how to handle that that game. And we should just touch on this briefly. Kind of a disgrace the Dolphins are in the playoffs. They're, like, without Tua, an awful team. 11-6, you mentioned. But we should say, our good friend, our old ally, Joe Flacco, keeping the Pittsburgh Steelers out of the playoffs. Uh, that's uh, we, I just wanted to highlight that, that uh, though the Steelers did get their... They're ex- improbably won six of their last seven games to extend their winning season streak uh, to 19. They they do miss out on the playoffs in uh, kind of a best-case scenario for us. Steelers aren't in the playoffs and have, I believe, just beyond the Lions, the worst draft pick of all the teams that missed the playoffs. So that's wonderful. And the Patriots in a very similar boat. The Patriots go 8-9 and nine this year uh, and just missed the playoffs. Um a very funny was pointed out on Twitter. The Patriots w- would have made the playoffs thanks to tiebreakers if they didn't if they won 
the uh, Jacoby Myers throws the ball to Chandler Jones game against the Raiders. Uh, the Patriots would be in the playoffs right now if they hadn't lost that game, which would be very funny uh, to think about. But, uh, yeah, um, you know, just the Pats. Pats and Steelers not making it is nice, but I would have liked the Lions to have slid into that Seahawks spot, even though I wasn't rooting for the Seahawks in that game because it was fun in the moment. Uh, the Lions would have been more fun. It would have been fun to have the Lions in the playoffs. And it would have been more fun, frankly, to have the Steelers than the Dolphins, I think, in the playoffs. Steelers are playing better. But I think both teams were going to get blitzed by Buffalo. So <laughs> I don't know. Jace, you, you, so you mentioned the Steelers having that uh you know, perfectly mediocre draft pick. I look forward to them getting the best wide receiver oh, in the yeah. draft or like the third best pass rusher in the draft with that pick. And I'm going to use this as a small 30 second pivot point to just throw more shade on the Bengals. Cause that's another reason that I kind of have to have a little bit of respect for Pittsburgh. They win every year and then they draft pretty well with these late picks. Whereas guess what? Cincinnati you're good because you drafted in the top five like eight years in a row. So good job getting the number one pick and drafting what was obviously the best quarterback in the draft at number one and then getting to like six or five and drafting what was obviously the best wide receiver in the draft. Great roster building with all those top five picks. Yeah, it's... Oh my god! Uh, yeah, freaking... another reason to hate the Bengals. But anyway, before we before we dive another ten minutes into that, this, well, and before we just have to like talk about them again. <laughs> yeah, we'll save we'll save that for a few minutes uh, from now. But the last matchup uh, outside of the Ravens game that I have not mentioned: Giants at Vikings. Another game. I have no idea what to do with Vikings. Three point favorites in this game. The Vikings won thirteen games this season. Minus three point differential on the year. What do you do looking at them as a three point favorite against the Giants? They played a couple weeks ago. Guess how much the Vikings won by? Three points on a 61 yard field goal late in the game. I guess you just take either one of these teams and you play for the push and you expect it to be exactly three again. Which of these matchups, Jace, are you most excited to watch? Oh, I think that Vikings. Uh... Giants game you said is going to be good because it was a great game we just saw it you know a few weeks ago and and yeah I, I think it, it should be good it's 4 p.m Kirk Cousins never know what you're going to get at that time and yeah I I don't know what to make both of these teams aren't exactly humming going into the playoffs so I, I think that's definitely one of the best games on the slate you mentioned that the the Chargers Jaguars game I think is probably going to be the second closest game of the weekend um I don't know what to expect. As I said, the Jaguars blew out the Chargers earlier in the season and then kind of went into a tailspin of their own uh, before, you know, rallying to the AFC South title, which we should say, congrats to the Jags in the playoffs for the first time since 2017. Titans lose seven straight games to fall out of the playoffs. Uh, that's wow. a, that's a, even worse than the Ravens <laughs> managed last year. So they won up to us there. But uh, yeah, um, I don't know what to make of that game either because the Chargers seem to attempt to win their game against the Broncos and then didn't even though they had nothing to play for and then they eventually pulled their starters but not until Mike Williams got hurt and was with a back injury bad enough he had to be carted back to the locker room so I don't know what the Chargers are doing there um but yeah I, I do unfortunately think there's going to be a handful of blowouts maybe in our game uh the Seahawks Niners the Niners demolished the Seahawks in both parent games this year but like you kind of said, the line's big, and are we just, like, 
can we just believe Brock Purdy isn't going to uncork a three interception game like in the playoffs? Like Pete Carroll's a good coach. I think he proved that this year. He's a defensive guy. They can't, they can't pick off Brock Purdy a few times. So it's really those Giants game and, and the Chargers Jags game. I think I'm looking forward to the most. With as you said, the caveat: if Tua plays, Bills uh, Dolphins could be really good. But if he doesn't play, that'll be really bad. <laughs> is the downside. And then as we circled. I do not know what to expect with this Cowboys-Bucks game. Uh, it, it should be interesting, and I'm kind of glad it's an island game on Monday. I mean, they're all island games, right? They only There's only one game at a time, but uh, the only game on Monday to think about. So that'll be kind of nice. And I'm glad that the Ravens aren't playing in that Monday game. Uh, that was my other fear, I guess, is having to wait till Monday to see how, how it unravels. All right, Jace. It's time. It's time. We have to talk about it. It exists. Yeah. The Ravens, Bengals, round three, playoffs. And I say playoffs without any sort of exclamation because rather than doing X's and O's this week, we've done X's and O's for this team. We know what they need. They got to run the ball 40 times. They have to run for 200 yards. They have to avoid turnovers. And their defense has to play as they've played. Uh, it would be nice to get Lamar Jackson back. Here's what I'm going to do instead, Jace. I'm going to convince you that this is the least exciting playoff berth in franchise history. <laughs> and then I'm going to present a little case here, and then you can, uh, if you want to disagree just for sport, go for it. Or if, you know, if there's the, the defense rests and then we just go to the jury and it's unanimous, then we can move on from there. But I think this is the least exciting playoff berth in franchise history. This is the 14th time that the Ravens will go to the postseason in their history. Five of those were the 08 through 2012 Joe Flacco, John Harbaugh, first five years together. All those teams, I would argue, were fun and or talented and or gutsy underdogs that won games on the road. Won postseason games on the road with a young, you know, young quarterback head coach tandem and future Hall of Famers on defense that you know were going to keep games close and they had attitude, they had whatever. They've had three postseason appearances where Lamar was the actual healthy starting quarterback. Do I need to say more? There was relative buzz around those teams because we had Lamar Jackson. One was a 14-2 and number one seed team. The other one was a still strong 11-5 and team. The other one was rookie Lamar. They'd won like six games in a row. I think they were 10-6. and They had a home playoff game. Yes, he was limited. But he was exciting, and it was the dawn of a new perennial playoff era. Those were three of the Lamar years. There's the 2014 Flacco year, which was maybe Joe Flacco's best regular season of his career. They went into the playoffs. I think they had won 10 or 10 games maybe in the regular season. Um, they beat the Steelers in a playoff game in week one, and it was buzz around that team. Could have very handily beaten the Pats. That's like the season that got away kind of thing, up by two touchdowns two different times against the Pats. There's the 2000 and 2001 seasons. We don't have to talk about those. Super Bowl and a Super Bowl title defense. The 2016, Jace, was the number two seed in the AFC. Had a bye. Maybe had the best Ravens roster ever. It had a mix of in their prime like superstar defenders and like a let's try to get Steve McNair for one good year and make a playoff run. The only one left 
and the only contender, in my opinion, is the 2003 Ravens season. The quarterback play that year was Kyle Bowler and Anthony Wright starting, and they combined for 2,500 passing yards for the season with 16 touchdowns and 19 interceptions. Anthony Wright was the playoff starter, so you kind of knew what you were getting into as you as you got into the playoffs. However, that was the Jamal Lewis 2,000-yard rushing season. They hosted the first-round playoff game, even though they were 10-6 and six and the Titans were 12-4. and four. The Titans had gotten a wild-card spot behind the Colts, and the Ravens had won the AFC North at 10-6. and six. They had a home game. Anything can happen at home in a playoff game. There's nothing else left, Jace. I hate it. I've said it a hundred times this season. I hate this team because they're good enough to make a deep run in the playoffs, and yet they've underwhelmed in all their wins, they've had crushing losses, and their quarterback has been a mystery for a month and a half and probably will not start in this game. And they will probably lose the first-round playoff game by double digits, ending the most meh season in Ravens franchise history. Uh, Am I wrong, Jason? Am I wrong? Uh, you're not wrong, uh, Antonio. You're not wrong at all. Um, by quick look, this is the uh, the lowest point differential, positive point differential uh, the Ravens have ever had for one of their playoff teams, which suggests, as you said, a very mediocre team. Now, I will say there were a few years in the Flacco era where I, I'll, I will admit my, my expectations were not that high. But I would say, like, I wasn't completely, like, the team was good. But I did not think they were going to win the Super Bowl in 2012. I thought that was, I thought they missed their chance in 2010 and 2011. That season was very frustrating. I believe they started nine and two and then stumbled to the close. But they at least had great players and they had they killed the Giants leading into that playoffs to win the AFC North. And uh, you at least had that game. And Ray's last home game, he announces his last ride. I thought they would beat the Colts. They would. Didn't think they'd beat the Broncos. They did. We know the story. But that was ten years ago now. So, huh? Ten years ago this month. <laughs> um, you know, so it's been a while. And to your point on that, that 03 team, even that was like exciting. And, you know, it's hard to think, kind of think back that long. I was a kid. I certainly, I think, had no like concept of the Titans actually being a better team than the Ravens when they, they met up in Baltimore that year. Um, all I knew is the Ravens won the division and you know, they had Jamal Lewis. And uh, I believe that's the first team ever. Give on. Jamal the ball. <laughs> They have, they have Jonathan Ogden. They have a Hall of Fame left tackle. They have Ray Lewis. They have a second-year Ed Reed. Ray Lewis, Defensive Player of the Year that year, by the way. And that team had a plus-one ten-point differential, despite their quarterbacks being Anthony Wright and Kyle Bowler, like you said. So I was definitely more excited for that year, too. And I remember watching that playoff loss at my grandma's house, just a crushing wild-card defeat. They kicked a, kicked a field goal as time expired, I believe the Titans did. And 06, as you said, oh, my God, that's... One of the great teams in franchise history fans don't talk about enough. I'll never forget that McNair interception on the goal line, Antonio. But yeah, to answer your question, this is the least exciting Ravens playoff team ever. And uh, yeah, I probably had maybe, certainly going into the year, it's so frustrating because I was looking, Antonio, both Tim and myself did pick Ravens to finish under 10.5, and, and I believe it's second. This is exactly where... I thought the team would be, and yet the path to get there has been so frustrating. And, yeah, I just entered the playoffs with little enthusiasm, um, no expectations of winning a game in the playoffs, which I feel like I've even held 
like against the Chargers in 2018, I thought we could beat the Chargers. I did not. That Ravens team was never going to the Super Bowl. I knew that. But, you know, to make the playoffs for the first time in four years, it was really exciting. Uh, and obviously 2019 was disappointing. 2020 was a weird year because of COVID, but still come playoff time, I was ready. This is, you just feel so defeated. And I, I think part of it is obviously the mystery around Lamar. Like, if I knew he was playing Sunday, I'd be excited. But the team doesn't know he's playing Sunday because they keep literally telling us, we don't know. Uh, and it seems all their, all the things they're leaking to the media is they don't know. And as you, you kind of alluded to, we don't know what happened. Maybe his knee swelled up. Maybe he suffered a setback. But someone in the building thought he was coming back on Christmas Eve. And not only did he not do that, he missed three more games and uh, since then. And also hasn't practiced since the injury happened so i don't know if there's a disconnect i don't know what's happening doesn't seem like the ravens know what's happening if we knew he was coming back i'd be a little more excited because like we talked about i think they can beat the Bengals um this year but we don't know if he's back i don't think he'll be i mean i'm i'm not holding my breath based on everything that's happened to this point and i think that's exacerbated and i believe uh the Baltimore Beatdown boys, shout them out, uh, kind of brought this up. But just then, Lamar's future uh, with the team is an additional layer hanging over the fact that we don't know he's coming back. And it's just a weird – it's a weird place because if he does come back, then it's, is this Lamar's final game with the Ravens? And uh, it's it's all just a huge bummer. And, yeah, I, I'm definitely the least enthused I've been entering a playoff run and I've watched all of them. I've watched every Ravens playoff run. I, I've been cognizant and a football fan for all of them. And, uh, yeah, I have no expectations this year. I was going to ask, but we've <clears throat> circled it with all the information that we have. Does Lamar play? We don't know. Jace doesn't know. I don't know. I think we both think we're not going to see him uh, in this game. Because <clears throat> if he was going to miss, you know, six weeks, why not miss, why not but, miss seven? And the other thing is, it's just, is he gonna, like, he hasn't been practicing. So, like, even if they weren't gonna play him Sunday, it would have been encouraging to see him play. But now that he's just gonna suddenly start practicing Wednesday and then he's just good to go on Sunday, I don't know. Even if he plays, it's gonna go badly. <laughs> let's, uh, let's do a uh, fun exercise, Jace, to try to turn this to where there is a shot that they win. And guess what, folks? There is a chance that the Ravens win this football game. It's a playoff game in the NFL. I've been saying this for a month and a half, if not two months. Just get in. It's a crapshoot. The ball bounces one way, something happens. The ball bounces the other way, something else happens. In that Packers game, to try to go to the playoffs, Aaron Jones fumbles. The ball bounces 10 yards down the side, a yard away from the sideline. If the ball bounces out of bounds in that scenario, I think the Packers score a touchdown on that drive and probably win the football game. Instead, it trickled down the sidelines for 10 yards, the Lions had time to pick it up, and it changed the entire complexity. That stuff happens in every football game. The Ravens can win a playoff game. Jace, I ask you this. We're assuming that Huntley, Huntley with a T, is starting this football game, to clarify. If this game is played 100 times, how many scenarios do the Ravens and Huntley win out of 100? Is there, is there a shot? Is there more than two out of 100 or five out of 100 games where the Ravens actually pull off an upset? I'd say, I'd say you got about 25, about a quarter chance, right? 25 out of 100? That's mean, pretty high. Pretty high. Maybe that's overly optimistic, but like you said, if the defense plays well, uh, I mean, turnovers are such a key thing. And, 
you know, if they can force him, Burrow threw four picks in a game this year. It was week one, and he hasn't done it since. But, uh, you know, you can catch uh, you can catch guys on, on bad games. Rich Gannon threw five interceptions in the Super Bowl the year he was MVP. Uh, Jake DeLome, I believe, had a five-turnover game. The Ravens, famously, speaking of positive playoff memories past, Upset the Titans in 2008, I believe. Kerry Collins had four turnovers in that game, and they beat them 13-10 to 10 with a rookie quarterback on the road against the number one team in the league. Stuff happens. You can win games, weirdly. And I, I think if they can take care of the ball, force some turnovers, are able to run the ball, and kind of otherwise do some of the things they were able to on defense in terms of limiting the big plays, yeah, they can certainly win. Now, I don't expect it, as we have talked about with Tyler Huntley. Um, the Ravens have now gone six straight weeks without scoring multiple offensive touchdowns or multiple touchdowns of any type, in fact. Uh, they've yet to crack 20 points in that span. So the chances are good that they don't win if that's if that's what they're doing on offense. But, uh, yeah, it's not uh, certainly not outside the realm of possibility, I would say. I would love to see the Bengals offensively go up against this Ravens defense with both Peters and Stevens back i thought even in this game where they were down the entire game basically the ravens i thought they matched up kind of well across the board defensively except for warley getting targeted over and over again i'm pretty positive peters will be back for this game i think he was rested intentionally uh to have him ready to go for the playoff game the steven stuff is weird he had an illness and then had like an instagram video of him in a hospital so i i don't understand what's happening there would love to get him back. Would love to have depth. <laughs> Dare I say, a third corner, not just depth, but a guy who can actually play in the slot and match up against these Bengals wide receivers. Uh, last point for me in this game. <laughs> I'm mildly happy that they scheduled this game on Sunday, <clears throat> even with it being at night, because I was worried that they would put it on Saturday, and that would mean that the Ravens went to Cincinnati, went back to Baltimore, then went back to Cincinnati on short rest, on a short week, after Cincinnati had essentially not played a game in the Buffalo week and then stayed home for three weeks straight. And I thought that would be a pretty big discrepancy. But guess what? I'm not going to spend all week crying about how the world is unfair. So that's the only part of it that I'm going to bring up. I'm happy the game's on Sunday. Fantastic. <laughs> go get them. Jace, anything else about this game before oh we go God. into I mean, it would our be picks? Wonderful. After we talked about it, but after just the stink the Bengals raised about everything this week, uh, you know, turning a like tragic near death situation for an NFL player into how is how does this impact me practically immediately? Uh, it would be wonderful if the Ravens beat them. I just don't, I don't see it happening. But uh, Let's get into it. Let's yeah. give picks. <laughs> the pick is Bengals, uh, you know, uh, bang, uh, where, where, where's the line is minus six and a half in this game. Yes. Jace going with the Bengals. Yes. I thought I'd written it down. Sorry, I must have deleted it on accident. Um, yes, I'd go with the Bengals minus six and a half. Uh just because I don't see it happening. I don't see Lamar playing. I'm not I'm not one of the optimistic ones out there. Uh, I'm done holding my breath. It's two years in a row. We've seen the exact same thing of a supposedly not major injury sideline your quarterback for the remainder of the season. And I don't know what's changed. Like, I just don't know what will change. So um, I do think, like, there's a chance the Ravens win. I'm not going to be surprised. But um, I just can't, you know, 
pick them uh, in good conscience, <laughs> I think, uh, just knowing what we know and have seen with this team and with my expectation that we don't get a Lamar. And we should say, even if we get a Lamar, you know, I don't want to, you know, be the Lamar can't play in the playoffs guy because I think it's a great Roman problem. But uh, the points are 17 points, 12 points, 3 points, 20 points. Uh, it hasn't been, uh, it, you know, a fireworks show with Lamar in the postseason um, when he has played. So, yeah, I'm not I'm not optimistic. Even, even if he comes back, I don't see them winning the game. I think the Bengals are a good team as much as we complain about them. Uh, they just sh- uh, should maybe win a Super Bowl first before they act like they won the Super Bowl. But, uh, yeah, I think the Bengals win this game minus six and a half. Yeah, I'm taking the Bengals, too. I tried to convince myself that, you know, whatever, the line was too big, that it's the playoffs, but Lamar is not playing, I don't think. And even though this team, in theory, could hang with the Bengals, it's been a season of disappointment, it's been a season of underperformance, and thus the Bengals... I think the score is almost identical to what we just had last week. I think it's 27-17, 27-13, somewhere in there. I pulled up the box scores of the last, well, I should say of the whole year, just for fun. <laughs> Anthony Brown had 276 passing yards last oh, week, God. which was the second most that the Ravens had put up all season at 276 the highest was the miami game where lamar had 318 games and then and then there was no other 300 yard passing game all season i hate this team i hate this team and they're gonna be they're gonna make us sad in a playoff game and fade away so Bengals minus six and a half and that's just how it's gonna have to be my other picks i'm taking dallas minus three again bucks eight and nine they they should not be in the postseason They've had multiple games where they had six points through three quarters and then had opposing teams mismanage the end of games and the Bucks would end up winning, scoring a touchdown in the fourth quarter. This is not, it's not the same team as Dallas. The New Orleans Saints are not the Dallas Cowboys. The Panthers are not the Dallas Cowboys. I'm taking Dallas minus three. I think they... I think Dallas has the capability of scoring 28 points in a playoff game. I do not think this Bucks team has the capability to put that up at all. And then I don't know what to do with this third pick, but I'm taking the Bills minus 10.5, and, and I'm kind of taking that number hoping Tua doesn't play. If he doesn't play, if we find out that he doesn't play, that line's going to balloon to 14. So maybe take it now because the Bills could still cover it even with Tua, and if he doesn't, you're going to get some free value there if you take it now at minus 10.5. The Bills do a lot of things well. Even when they make mistakes offensively or Josh Allen does some stupid throw, there's just so much there. Take that Pats game. They kind of were like playing with their food for the first half of that game, maybe even three quarters. They dropped 35 points, and they won by two touchdowns in a mediocre game. They got two kick return touchdowns. So there's too much there. The Dolphins have been trending the wrong direction for two months. They've lost a bunch of games. And then, even though I guess their defense played well this past week, it was against Joe Flacco. Um, and they could only put up 11 points. Nine points, really, with the if you don't include the last safety at the end. So, Bills 28, Dolphins 10, and you're sort of marching with a nice, comfortable win at 10.5. So, those are my three picks this week. Jace, what are your other two spots? 
So I'm going with some, some, some underdogs out there. I uh, circled it a few times, so don't have to delve too much into it. The Jaguars as plus one uh, at home against the Chargers. I did not like what I saw from the Chargers. As I mentioned, the Giant, or the Jaguars destroyed them in Los Angeles. This game is in Duval County, uh, Florida. And um, no, was Jackson did Jacksonville play well against the Titans to make the playoffs? Absolutely not. They needed a defensive score against Josh Dobbs to, in fact, win the game with around three or four minutes to go. Um, so it wasn't, it wasn't convincing, but I do think the Jaguars are a better team. Um, they proved it once this year, and just an underdog at home. They're going to be fired up. First home playoff game there in, like, five years. Um, you know, could Justin Herbert in his first playoff game make me have egg on my face? For sure. But I, I, Staley scares me a little bit as a coach. And then... Bet against the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, <laughs> eventually, the one Not crazy. stuff has to stop. And I think the Giants plus three. You know, I think Brian Dable's proven he's a really good coach. They nearly won there the first time. Uh, one of their best games of the year, admittedly against, a, you know, I believe it was the Texans last week. Um, but uh, Daniel Jones played one of his best games when they clinched a playoff berth. I don't think the Giants are a great team by any means, but... Um, I think they do a lot well, and I, I I just I worry when you win, what, 11 one-score games, as the Vikings did this year, something's got to give. The only games they won by multiple scores were the first and the last one against the Bears team, who played at different points, uh, Nathan Peterman and Tim Boyle on Sunday. Um, so... Uh, yeah, I, I, I just, I just more, it's more a lack of faith in the Vikings than, than belief. And I should say I have stayed away. I know I've been talking up Tom Brady and the Bucks to the Super Bowl, but I stayed away because they are a bad team. Um, as you said, they can't run the ball. Tom Brady actually set NFL records for passing attempts and completions, uh, which toppled, I believe a Drew Bledsoe record of all people, which is kind of, kind of funny, but, uh, um, uh, yeah, he, uh, at age 45, he's thrown the, threw the ball literally more than he ever has before, more than anyone has before, which doesn't seem to bode well for, you know, closing out playoff games. Uh, but it is just very Tom Brady. First losing team he's ever been on. The Bucks go eight and nine, still win the division. I believe his 19th division title, uh, in 23 NFL seasons. So, um, just very, very annoying, uh, very Tom Brady. And yeah, just to stay away from me because Tom Brady versus, uh, a Cowboys team sputtering into the playoffs and coached by Mike McCarthy. It's a volatile combination, and I just I can't. I respect you taking it, but I just could not. You mean, yeah, you're making me feel great about about this pick because <laughs> none of those points are wrong. But the Bucks are a bad team. Oh my gosh. Uh, all right, just because I've been keeping track of it all week, I don't, or all season, I want to make sure to say it. Last week, I went one and two with my picks. Won the Ravens game. Lost that stupid tease uh, with the Green Bay game. But 32 and 25 on the season, so still in pretty good shape. Going to try to finish out the postseason with a winning record. And, Jace, I'm, I would love to see you next week and talk about a Ravens upset. It would be – few things would make me happier these days than uh, to, being able to talk about that. To have no expectations for this game, I, I think uh, beating the Bengals this week would redeem the entire season, and I don't care that they would lose by 45 to the Bills in Buffalo – Agreed. Um, next week, uh, it would just it would alleviate so much, so much. Just it would it would be great, <laughs> even if it's Tyler Huntley leading the way. Upset the Bengals, make them all mad, and send them home, and then go home yourselves and feel free. Like this team's not winning the Super Bowl. I've accepted that. We've all accepted that. But knock the Bengals out. That would be great. For Jay Evans.
I am Antonio Barbera. Nothing else left to say here. It's playoff football time, people. Enjoy the weekend. Try to enjoy the Ravens game. We'll be back next week to talk all about it. Thanks for listening to us here on Pod Like a Raven. We will see you next week.